Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Bullshit. That's not what really happened. Does that not match the story you've heard, Seeker? I'm not interested in stories. I came to hear the truth. What makes you think that I know the truth? Don't lie to me! You knew her even before she became the champion. Even if I did, I don't know where she is now. Do you have any idea what's at stake here? Let me guess. Your precious chantries fall into pieces and put the entire world on the brink of war. And you need the one person who could help you put it back together. The champion was at the heart of it when it all began. If you can't point me to her, tell me everything you know. You aren't worried I'll just make it up as I go? Not at all. You'll need to hear the whole story. Class is in session once again, and this week I'm joined by guest professor of ancient Kirkwall Historia, the host of, or the CEO, I guess, or head of Bear Punch Media, former host (laughs) of Constantly Calibrating Podcast, Mr. Josh Silverman. How's it going, Josh? I'm going to really have to shore up those business cards at some point and get like a proper thing for it, but I'm doing all right. Uh, uh, How about yourself? Doing good. Just taking it day by day, working through my uh, game backlog and keeping busy. Good old, good old gaming backlog. <laughs> I, I, I would do that, but I'm stuck on one thing and one thing, and uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Plus, you have kids, so I imagine that makes things a little more uh, difficult to get through backlogs of, of games and whatnot. So I have to pick and choose things pretty much if it's not on the Switch, i.e. if it's not something that I can play in a handheld mode while the kids are watching cartoons and I can interact with them, I don't really play it anymore. Yeah. I... Uh... Well, at least there's a lot of good things for the Switch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yes, this week we are here to talk all about Dragon Age 2, bringing the saga of Dragon Age to a conclusion here in RPG University. This is the last Dragon Age game we have not yet talked about, so I'm truly honored to have you on to round out this series, Josh. I'm excited. I mean, like, I'm, I'm glad uh, Dragon Age is a special series to me. Uh, I, my career started because of Mass Effect, but I'll always tell people the truth is why well, I love Mass Effect. I love the Mass Effect universe. Dragon Age is like the world that I know that I know. Like I feel in my heart. I've read books. I've read the World of Thetis books. I've read. I I love Thetis. I love everything that Bioware created with Dragon Age. So, and I'm also a person. Dragon Age Two is kind of 
strong running for my favorite thing in the Dragon Age universe. Really? So, oh, <laughs> I love Dragon Age too. I know it's. I know it's not. I. I. I, I see the issues with it. I'm mm-hmm. fully aware of it, but it's just. It's. It's. It's what I liked, and it contributed some of my favorite parts to Inquisition, um, and I, I like the pacing of it, and I like. I've always liked since I was a kid those smaller stories in a bigger world. Yeah. I it was like that. where the where they give you this massive world but they restrict you. It's almost like the bottle episode kind of effect in a TV show, you know, where it's like everything is just it, which a bottle episode for those who don't know is an episode of television where it's like it, they've just done a, a massive big budget all this storyline kind of stuff just unveiled and it's like okay well now everyone has to stay in one room because we blew through our budget so everything has to come to this bottle point so that we can try to then move on to our next storyline uh dragon age 2 sort of always felt like that to me the bottle episode where it's just restricted to this this length of time this one very small area which i know is what a lot of people didn't like about it but i loved that Mm -hmm. but Dragon Age 2 originally, initially, excuse me, released back in March of 2011 on the 8th. And some other games you may have been playing that year to get your head in the same time uh, mind space. Zelda Skyward Sword came out that year. Skyrim came out for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Portal 2, Dark Souls came out and pretty much helped create an entire genre. Uncharted 3 was supposed to be the end of the Uncharted series. L.A. Noir, Gears of War 3, Infamous 2, a series that uh, desperately needs to come back, in my opinion. Terraria, Please. Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch, and Final Fantasy 13 2. I look at this list and I'm like, this does that doesn't feel like those games all came out in a single year. <laughs> like, yeah, that seems that's a whole lot of game. Me. That is a whole lot <laughs> of game right there. Like I'm just like looking at that and I'm like, wow. And I'm looking at this list also and I'm like, I have played like at least half of those. Mm-hmm. I would never have time for that anymore. That fascinates yeah. me to no end. And to think oh. this was back when we thought like we were looking forward to the next Elder Scrolls game after Skyrim. Little did we know Skyrim would be put on everything for the next decade. I mean, they would spend time doing that. They would make uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Yeah, and there's then, been yeah, other but things, yeah, but but nine years since the last Elder Scrolls game is a like the last true like mm-hmm. numerical proper Elder Scrolls game is weird to think about. It's a very different Bethesda too. Like just looking at it's, everything with yeah. Fallout seventy six and it crazy times. And well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, look at yeah. it's a different Bethesda than than the Bethesda of 2011. It's a different Bioware than the Bioware of the 2011. Like, all of the, oh, a lot of these studios that you look at on this list are very different. I think oh, the yeah. only ones that are really <laughs> the same as they were then would maybe be Nintendo, looking at Zelda, mm-hmm. you know. Nintendo really has not changed <laughs> yeah. that much in nine years, aside from different, you know, focus on what they do yeah but they, they make the same good and bad decisions they always have yeah. nintendo is good in nintendo basically mm-hmm. um but yeah so real let's talk a bit about dragon age 2 so where was your first <coughs> excuse me introduction to dragon age 2 like did you pick it up day one like were you hooked on the series already at this point pre-ordered yeah i know it was it was a pre-order <laughs> uh back in the days when i still did pre-orders from gamestop um, yeah, no, I pre-ordered the game. Uh, I was 
big into Dragon Age Origins. Uh, just a little bit about me in that regard. Um, I picked up Dragon Age Origins, I, I begrudgingly initially, because um, fantasy, I was more sci-fi than fantasy mm-hmm. uh, minded. And then also it was a tactical RPG versus you know uh, Mass Effect, which Mass Effect was obviously a run and gun, more action oriented kind of thing. Uh, I'm not good at tactical games. Mm-hmm. My, I, at least I, I'm actually way better at them now than I was, you know, 11 years ago when Origins came out. But I couldn't really wrap my. I was too impatient for a lot of those games. Origins taught me to be more patient, but I was also just never great at it. So when two was announced, and you know, two has its own murky history with announcements and stuff like that. But when two was announced, um. It was kind of clear they were going with a little bit more of an action-oriented gameplay versus st- with still some of the tactical mm-hmm. aspect. And when I heard that, I was like, "Okay, I'm really interested." And then again, they also announced it as this uh, this ten-year story that would start from the beginning of Origins and then go further into the future. And those two aspects, again, I already liked Origins. I yeah. had probably three hundred hours on Origins. Oh, nice! I want to say. My first playthrough was 90. My second playthrough was like 60 to 70. My next playthrough was like 50 to 70. So like I had, uh, those were my three playthroughs. And then I just did three more of to round out the origins. So like I was ready for two. Um, I very much wanted to play two. I, I hadn't read the books yet at that point. I didn't read those until right before uh, Inquisition. But I, yeah, so I just uh, <laughs> answered in the longest way possible. <laughs> yes, I picked up the game at launch. <laughs> Um, and I think I beat it in one weekend, if I remember right. Yeah. Who, do you remember the class you picked first? Yeah, first class was Rogue. Um, I never have liked mages in Dragon <laughs> Age. And um, I my first playthrough of Origins... Like, so I'm, I'm going to reference Origins a lot when I talk about 2 because a lot of my decisions I made in Origins, mm-hmm. not just like from a store perspective, but literal personal choices I made in that game, influenced a lot of what I did in 2. So in Origins... I was a uh, a sword and board, you know, uh, tanky uh, human noble in that game. For some reason, I chose that, which is I Mm -hmm. also had Alistair in my party as a sword and board tanky person. (laughs) You can understand why I had a bad time with Origins on my first playthrough, because I I just didn't know how to play these kind of games necessarily. Um, So when I went into... um, into two, I had heard them talking about that stealth and stuff was handled better than Origins. And those kind of things is like okay, I want to be a daggers rogue, and that's that's the choice I made. Nice. I would. So, yeah. <clears throat> I remember I rented this. I didn't own my own copy of Dragon Age, two actually until maybe four or five months ago. Well, physical copy. I have it digitally on sure. EA Origin, but I hate Origin. So, um, I wanted <coughs> when I started recording. The Origins episode of RPGU with Caitlin, I wanted to kind of replay and replay the series and just freshen up. So I picked up the Game of the Year edition of Origins and a f- still brand new copy of Dragon Age Two, and that was the first physical copy I I had owned <coughs> owned of it. And but I remember vividly renting it the day it came out because there was a video store, Family Video, right near where I lived. So I'd always run there right after school to grab the new games and stuff. And I did Rogue 2, but my main thing with... I learned from Origins as well that I went Rogue just out of necessity so I could unlock... So I could, like, pick chests and lockpick stuff right away. 
Yeah, um, that's kind of like what I did as well because I regretted not having a devoted lock picker. Right. <laughs> so I turned my main character into into that, and with the more action oriented combat of two, I just love kind of the the flourishes and just how visually striking the <coughs> even the basic attacks were. Uh, sure. Of two, and I love doing all the. Hopping around and poofing into smoke and shooting arrows and stuff with my rogue, so that was that was my go-to, for sure. Yeah, for me, yeah, it was just like I liked uh, the mobility of it. Um, I liked the ability to just—they made rogues uh, in a way in, into that you weren't as weak, so you could run into battle mm-hmm. uh, as long as you were careful. But again, like yeah, the ability to have lock picking early on, the ability to just have that versatility. Plus, I wanted to play since they were giving us the like the you know, those little emotional like reaction things so we had a better idea of what we were doing mm-hmm. uh with our dialogue i was like well if i'm playing i, I want to play a smart ass i want to play a charming smart ass i want to play the han solo character because that's what i that's yeah. who i feel i am in some regards uh so i was like well if i'm gonna do that rogue makes the most sense uh at least for a first playthrough so that's yeah kind of where i went with that uh and speaking of this game has a ton like dragon age and really bioware games themselves are known for their side characters like their companion you companions you can take with you what were some of do you have like a set crew that you have you find yourself always gravitating towards when you go back and replay these games or this game specifically so i mean in general i i have a a a tendency to favor certain characters whenever I play an RPG. Uh, it's hard for me to break myself of that, but um, the original Mass Effect, ta- you know, had those achievements where it was you had to play a certain amount of main story and side quest stories to get uh, achievements with each companion character, and that taught me a lot about how to uh, diversify who I was playing with. Like, usually I'll keep the same people for one playthrough mm-hmm. and maybe change it up a little bit, companion missions and the like. Um, but... In general, I, li- I like to change things up, but uh, I-, I usually gravitated always uh, for two with uh, Isabella and Aveline. Nice. Uh, they're they're pretty much my two of my favorite characters in gaming, period. Mm-hmm. Um, depending what my hawk was, I would sometimes have Meryl in the party. I mean, I, I really liked uh, Bethany, the sister character. Yeah. Um, I really liked her character a lot in the game. Didn't like Carver as much, but I really liked Bethany a lot. Um in all honesty, I, despite, like, I would call myself not religious now. Back when I played 2, I would actually refer to myself as super anti-religious of a person. Mm-hmm. But it, the character of Sebastian actually was very appealing to me as a character, despite being this devout Chantry person. And actually kind of gave me an understanding in, uh, of, like, religion in our world mm-hmm. through that character. So, And also, I like archers a lot. So all yeah. that combined. So I would use <clears throat> Sebastian more than i would have liked <laughs> uh in, in like at the time like i would always get annoyed with me for for choosing that <laughs> despite being one of my favorite characters varric i almost have never used varric in dragon age 2 i don't i don't know what and again are also archer in that regard but yeah never use it but yeah aveline isabella they're my go-tos nice for me it was isabel and fenris i really like fenris um I like Fenris. I know he has a massive following, and I liked his design, and I liked Fenris. But for some reason, I just never really used him that mm-hmm. much, unless I needed that. Uh, unless I needed that two-handed strong boy. Yeah. Uh, for me, with Fenric, uh, Varric, excuse me. I just I have an 
I'm not a fan of crossbows. Uh, I'm always a bigger fan. Of, give me like a badass bow and arrow any day over a crossbow. So that was my main reason I shied away from from Varric for silly enough reasons. Plus, with being a rogue, I didn't really need him as much. But sure. One thing that has still stands out to me about specifically Dragon Age 2, and you touched on this a little earlier, was how focused Dragon Age 2 is. And uh, for those of you that haven't played, it's centered around basically a single city, the city of Kirkwall. And over, what was it, like 10 years or something, the story's past? It's 10 years. You start off right after the right after the Blight yeah. takes Lothering um, in Dragon Age Origins, which Lothering is the first city you go to in Dragon Age Origins. Uh, you start right after that, then you jump one year ahead, and then I believe you jumped... I think uh, that Act 1 is one year later after that, and then I think Act 2 is like three years later, and then it's another three years later, and then the games like Denouement is at the 10-year mm-hmm. mark. I think that's how it works, if I remember correct, yeah. if I remember right. I loved how this game portrayed and really elevated the conflict between the Templars and the Mages. Oh, for sure. I mean, again, Origins, it's like it's kind of almost... it's the least developed of the storylines that you kind of do in origins, the major versus Templar thing. And then the two, it just becomes the main storyline, which as we know, becomes literally the main storyline of dragon age by the time we hit inquisition. Um, I I love the development of the story. I think they do a good job uh, giving more ground to it. And also, you know, like origins it's, you know, you have the choice. Do you, um, do you do the rite of annulment and kill all the mages in the in the mage tower, or for all the mage tower, or do you you know siding with the, the templars, or do you side with the mages and not do that? And it's kind of like almost like a, a black and white thing. It's almost like it's just total binary choice. Clearly the templars mm-hmm. is the bad choice. Clearly the mages, you know, are the good choice kind of thing. But uh, two does this really good job of showing that uh, there are actually good templars out there, and there's actually like there's actually a um, what the Templars are doing, there's a, a point to it and there's a logic to it that, you know, not all mages are to be trusted and there's issues with mm-hmm. the way mages are done, both uh, mages within the circle and and uh, outside of the circle. And you get a lot of, like, story really from both sides of things that, and not to, like, both sides a topic here, but, like, you do actually really get, like, a lot of, uh, a lot of ground to discover uh, the good of the Templars and the bad of the mages and the good of the mages and the bad of the Templars. You get really... Um, a feel for characters and you also you get to see a feel for characters who seem like they're perfectly fine people who and what you know one bad day can do to them with like the leader of the circle for instance in mm-hmm. act three it's and, and i think this game does a really good job as you were just saying of old bioware's storytelling ability that mm-hmm. it can at, from one viewpoint at one moment in time it can look so cut and dry it can look so black and white your choices easy choices but as you shift away or look at it or talk to someone else suddenly what was once black and white very stark contrast what you should do what you shouldn't it becomes so much more clouded and interesting and such a much deeper and richer experience and narrative it i i miss this style of bioware storytelling yeah i feel you on that um, what was, 
Was there a particular moment that really stands out to you in specifically in Dragon Ages 2 conflict with the Templar and Mages that kind of resonated with you or has really stuck with you? So it, it's almost it's a major moment for the character of Hawk, but it's a minor moment in the grand scheme of the conflict. But it stands out for me is um, the storyline with Hawk's mother. Mm-hmm. It, it, she, you know, meets someone, and I, I again, it's it's loosely tan. It's, it's I'm like I'm pulling at your question here a little bit. That's fine. But like, but it's the moment that works for me because it it does apply to the storyline. She gets, you know, uh, kidnapped by a mage. And, you know, she gets kidnapped, uh, you know, she's dating someone, something like that. She gets kidnapped and killed and literally like, you know, they're trying to do a spell. I'm going to be blunt. I can't remember the exact (laughs) reasons they were doing (laughs) stuff uh, because it has it's been a few years, a good few years since I last played the game. But the emotional part is what's always stood out for me. And it could be because I lost my mother, uh, you know, um, only a few years prior to Dragon Age 2. So it's like that connection. I kind of think it was a cathartic moment for me, but that always stood out because it is that my, you know, as far as the world concern mm-hmm. is concerned, even someone who would one day become the champion, their parent getting kidnapped and killed in a ritual, not really on paper that big of a deal, but the effect it has on Hawk can influence your perspective on mages, can influence your perspective on the city of Kirkwall, can influence your perspective a lot. And that ultimately could really change how you look at the situation. And it's kind of like that butterfly effect thing. The, the smallest event can influence the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And speak. And yeah. Th- yeah that, so I'm just saying that moment always stood out. Yeah. For me. But you touched on this um, about Kirkwall and your view of it. It's, Kirkwall is so much because this is this game is so much focused directly on Kirkwall and the surrounding uh, hills and mountains and everything. It's 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 its own character, and it's for me. I know people. I know a lot of people had issues with because we you go from Origin where it's like you're it's spanning an entire continent to Dragon Age Two where it's so focused on this one city. But I think they did a really good job fleshing it out and making it interesting and filling it with different characters and mm-hmm. plot plot devices and interesting side tangents you can go on that I loved exploring Kirkwall. I always liked exploring the different like the different levels of Kirkwall, you know, from the you know, the deepest dark places up to, you know, up to the Chantry and stuff like that, and the barracks and stuff like that. I always liked, you know, the high, uh, the high area, the low area, um, the slums. Like you get this different vibe of what the city represents, what the city is. And as you said, like there's different characters. Plus these characters, minor ones get fleshed out, major ones get forgotten in the story, kind of thing. It stuff happens because again, you're spending this amount of time, so you know, a minor moment mm-hmm. during the first act comes back in the second act and, or even in the third act kind of thing. So the city itself and the, and the people living within the city are their own narrative flow. That's underneath like the whole story you're doing mm-hmm. that you know, it plays into, you know, uh, the lead up to the expedition in the first act, the, uh, the assault, uh, the occupation assault from the Canary in the second act, and then obviously the, the all-out war between the mages and the Templars in the third act. 
and all the different pieces connect through the city. Yeah. And yeah, like most people would be like, yeah, and uh, you know, there's repetitive environments and stuff like that. We all know the fact that like, you know, you walk into five different mines and it's just the exact same map but mm-hmm. with different sections cut off. And yeah, there were some odd cost-cutting, you know, choices that w- were made with the game, but still when it comes to Kirkwall itself and like the surrounding major areas, not necessarily the dun- the, the mm-hmm. random dungeons you go into, it it's really its own living breathing environment. Yeah. And hindsight is has put the development of this game so much more into perspective and just how rushed mm-hmm. it was and the issues that the team had with it that the fact that we got as good of a game as we did with Dragon Age 2 is incredibly impressive and speaks highly of the talent at BioWare not mm-hmm. going to go into the crunch mentality or anything like that that's neither that's not the focus of this episode but they did no pull off something special with just the resources, the time that they had. And I believe this was the first game that that Bioware released after being purchased by EA, I think. I believe you are correct in that. I mean, what you have to remember is Dragon Age 2 was feared by people because of that whole EA thing. Cause, mm-hmm. So around the time the EA stuff started, Dragon Age 2 was originally um, going to be like, a dra- was going to be what Awakening was to Dragon Age Origins. It was just going to be another, uh, you know, Origins had a lot of expansions. Yeah. It had Awakening, which was a f- almost a full game in its own right. But then it also had the smaller ones, uh, Witch Hunt and stuff like that. Uh, two, from what, you know, I remember reading a lot of stories and stuff, two was also originally on paper, gonna be an origins it was gonna be an awakening size thing Mm -hmm. and then they realized you know what where we're in development we want to do different things let's and this ea thing was happening the story i've heard is that yeah they decided to turn it into its own game and then also the game then sadly also got rushed yeah a bit you know and a lot of issues happened with it um which also is funny because then that happened on the back end of two because two was supposed to have um, it was even announced a an expansion mm-hmm. to it uh, called Exalted Marches, and that ended up being scrapped and becoming essentially what Inquisition became. Uh, it it like Dragon Age as a, a series so far is really interesting because it, it's been a, a lot of we're making an expansion for the previous game. Mm-hmm. Nope, actually we're we're turning that into a full yeah. game kind of situation so it's a two but two is like the strongest of that it, it mm-hmm. started as an expansion then it lost one of its major story elements yeah <laughs> from an expansion because of just the weirdness of development the fact that we got what we got is as you said is amazing yeah. now that i think about it i think dragon age origins was being worked on or like deep in production when ea bought bioware so i think dragon age 2 was the first full fully developed like after the 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 purchase i think but no that sounds more accurate because i think the way it worked was mass effect one came out which was 07 dragon age origins came out in 09 i think the purchase happened somewhere in 08 yeah 09 and then so the ea logos on origins but they did but they really had nothing to do with it yeah that sounds that sounds right um that sounds close yeah and one thing that I thought was interesting and that kind of rubbed me a bit of the wrong way was how drastic some of the character redesigns were from those coming from 
Dragon Age Origins into Dragon mm-hmm. Age 2, specifically Isabel and Flemeth. Um, I love their designs <coughs> into, but such big departures. <laughs> I would even say the Dark Spawn as a whole, like those yeah. three are not even slightly similar. No, I mean, Isabel, I mean, you remember Isabel, she was... Uh, She's she a was side this... character, just like a quest character in Origins, I believe. Yeah, you learned the dueling if you were a rogue from her, and you could have a threesome or a foursome with her if you did specific things, but she was generic, slightly dark-skinned mm-hmm. person, number 7A. I mean, yeah. that's, that's really who she was. She had, she had a little bit of background story, but... Like when they said, "Hey, you got this new companion, and this is like the main companion." We're showing off in all of the trailers. Because you remember, Isabella was yeah. all yeah. of the trailers for two. She was she was the the Morgan level mm-hmm. companion essentially. Um, and suddenly it was like, "No, but that's actually that person you meant Origins." And you're just sitting there like, "The, the hell? What? Why? Okay, okay I, I'll go. I'll go along with that. That seems like a fun thing." And then Flemeth, you know, uh, obviously major character and mm-hmm. a major curiosity in Origins, but. But you you know you kill Flemeth yeah in the first in the first game and it's this whole big thing and you know it, it, you move on suddenly you're being s- okay cool you're being saved by Flemeth at the beginning of the game well that makes sense because that's before mm-hmm. we've even met Flemeth properly or just after we met Flemeth properly so that makes sense also why does she look like this with the what the hell is this okay you know cool thumbs up but then suddenly it's like and nope this game actually shows you resurrecting her yeah. <laughs> And it's like, oh, so Flemeth is it like it, it's the beginning of showing Flemeth as this holy shit level major character. Yeah. Um, in Dragon Age, which before she was just like a cool character, and then again also, the Darkspawn redesign, which I will never like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I will never like the Darkspawn redesign. I really pref- much more preferred it. Uh, the look in Origins. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, in terms of. I guess we can't get around like we have to address and we've talked a little bit about it. Some of the complaints of this game and my biggest issue isn't yes. The repeating dungeons and locations did bother me back in the day, but not so much nowadays. What bugs mm-hmm. me, what I would, I still f- feel hurt by when I boot this up is just how kind of reduced the RPG elements are in oh, this yeah. game. That's, that's what hurts me the most. Because Dragon Age was such... Origins, I should say, was such a good RPG. Like, it had the stats. It had the gear. It had the the talent trees. It had all this. And I, Dragon Age 2 has the combat I wish Origins have had. But Origins has, like, all the RPG-ness that I wish 2 has. I, and I would say that totally makes a lot of sense, and I would agree with that. No, um... Two started a trend like uh, they, I think it was a podcast when the last ones we did for constant calibrating or maybe in the catch all one some show that I did not that long ago I made some comment about RPGs and somebody scoffed to me and was just like every game's an RPG now and it's funny Dragon Age Two is kind of the start almost of that because mm-hmm. Dragon Age Two is an action it it is not an RPG game it is an action game with RPG elements yes is as how I'll always. Uh, how I'll always feel about it. It's 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 that style. RPG is part of the game, mm-hmm. and we have a now that's like a, a a normal thing. I mean, almost every game now 
oh, has yeah. some degree of RPG elements, whether it's stats, whether it's customization of outfits, whether it's this, whether it's that. All the stuff that used to make an RPG game are now just components of very many different games. So 2 was kind of like that because your RPG elements, the stats were next to non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no real customization except for your hawk, and even then it was pretty damn minor. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like there was like items to sell and stuff like that and buy, but it, it didn't, it didn't really matter. A lot of cases, mm-hmm. like you really, you could really play if you were, particularly if you're playing on the normal difficulty, you could just play Dragon Age 2 for purely story yeah. stuff and combat and really never really pay all that much attention to stuff, which yeah, does not an RPG make. Yeah. And luckily the story is very good and the characters are strong, but that was, mm-hmm. that's still the thing that. Oh, I wish it was a bit more RPGE, but uh it's funny because I think the reason why whenever I think of, oh, I want to replay Dragon Age, I'll always think, oh god, I don't want to I I don't want to play through Origin again. But I'm like, Dragon Age 2 though. And I think it's actually because of the fact that there's mm-hmm. so little um there's so little energy needed to play 2. 2 can just be jumped into and just you could just kind of yeah. just go to the races and get a, a hell of a distance into it before you really get you know uh, it, it's a much easier game to just to just dive into I think because mm-hmm. of the reduced RPG aspect, which Inquisition, however, takes a lot of the RPG aspects of Origins and takes a lot of the action of two and mm-hmm. puts them together. And at times, I just sit there and I'm like, I ain't got time for this. Yeah, <laughs> they they went almost overboard with the size of the world and everything you can do in Inquisition. Inquisition is too big of a yeah. game. I will always say that I love the game, but it, there's a reason why I've only beaten that one once, mm-hmm. and I've made it to Skyhold on six different occasions before tapping out. Yeah, it's because it's just too much mm-hmm. of a game sometimes. It's un- two, however, yeah. is nice and bite-sized. Yeah. It's unfortunate that adulthood we just we have funds where we can buy games. We just don't have the free time to invest in these giant games. <laughs> yeah nowhere near the length or if i ha- if i do have the mm-hmm. time to invest in a giant game it really has to hit me at the exact right yeah. moment like there's it, you you have to come out at the exact right time and when i'm like willing to spend eight you know four to eight hours every mm-hmm. single night <laughs> after the kids go to bed and just be sleep deprived and play yeah. if i'm not doing that i ain't playing your game pretty these much days it's bums the hell out of me <laughs> So what are some Josh Cannon decisions? Like, what is canon in your mind for this game? For two? Um, uh, let's see, canon decisions. So, yeah, because, so, like, um, I've had three successful playthroughs of Origins through two. Um, I've only brought, again, I brought all of them into Inquisition, but I've only had one completed Inquisition playthrough. So I always consider that my canon playthrough. And for two, um, that is Hawk, male Hawk, rogue, uh, charming, sarcastic bastard, um, kind of guy. And decision-wise, let's see. I'm trying, trying to remember some, like some major stuff. I mean, um, who's your romance? Uh, Isabella. Isabella. Like that's yeah. Like I, I'm all, I am all about her. Um, I, I again, charming bastard kind of mm-hmm. character. So playing with the charming bat bastard kind of character <laughs> like it just like they just kind of like they, they 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 folded together really well with me also my proclivity for putting two of the exact type 
same type of characters in a party in mm-hmm. a Dragon Age game, which I, I can't stop doing <laughs> um, and making the game a little more difficult for myself. Um, yeah, so romance, uh, that's what I did. And then uh, uh, I had Bethany, who uh, I didn't know any better. So my canon playthrough is her dying in the deep roads. Um, no, actually, no, scratch that. I forgot my original playthrough, which is what I consider. I actually went, I got so bothered by that that I actually went back several hours, recouped the save file, and brought Anders along to turn her into a Grey Ward, and I did do that. Uh, so, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that, that, that major choice. And then, um, uh, siding with the mages. Nice. Because, um,. While I, the head of the circle certainly obviously doesn't make good choices, mm-hmm. I just I couldn't go with the tyrannical nature of what the, uh, what the Templars were doing. Yeah, and in general, uh, a group of people trying to yearn for freedom versus a misunderstood police force. I'm gonna go with the people yearning for freedom. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I think yeah, those like those are those are the major, the major points. What about yourself? What's what's um, your major sided points? with ma- or sided with mages. Um, I went Carver. Uh, okay. So I went that route. Um, I did Rogue as well. I then, let's see. Um, I rom- romanced Feline. Um, I'm trying to think. Those were the, the main ones I remember. It's been, like, for my canonical playthrough that I, like, went through, it's been so long. So I, I honestly don't remember too much. Um, yeah, it's it's been a while. Like I almost honestly was about to open Dragon Age Keep and just yeah. literally look through my choices. <laughs> but yeah, it uh, it's good times. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, one thing, by the way, I just thinking about like character mm-hmm. stuff like that. I was looking up something on Carver, and I'd forgotten about this completely. About how the fact that uh, depending on how you change your hawk's appearance mm-hmm. changes what your siblings. Yeah. And your mother's appearance looks like, and I always thought that was a really nice touch. Instead of having to go through the long, like creating mm-hmm. multiple characters, like uh, like Mass Effect Andromeda, you you create your rider, and it gives you the option to create your sibling, right? Mm-hmm. But like this, it was just like that's a lot of work. So you can create your hawk, and then based on that, we're gonna reshape what the rest of your family looks like. Yeah. Changing skin tones, changing facial shapes and stuff like that. I always thought that was a really like nice, cool touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. We aren't the only ones who really like Dragon Age 2, so we're going around the web. User JasonMH88 from Reddit says, A couple of things, actually. Number one, Hawk might be my favorite player character besides Commander Shepard. I love that Hawk isn't a messiah, or trying to save the world, or anything like that. He, or she, is a refugee in a shitty situation simply trying to keep their friends and family alive. I like that in Dragon Age 2 had a smaller scope, and I wish more RPGs would do that. But after the backlash Dragon Age 2 got, I doubt it happens. Number two, unlike the Warden or Inquisitor, Hawk doesn't have some special powers or anything. They're just a normal person who is just that good. Everything Hawk accomplishes is pure skill. Number three, I played a male mage who romanced Meryl. 
and two apostates from different cultures and races finding love with each other was awesome. When Meryl was worried about how the other nobles will feel about Hawk taking up an elf, his attitude is, screw him. I honestly wish they'd done, this, done a bit more with it. And four, the companionship, particularly with your BFF partner in crime, Varric Tethris. Yeah. That's actually a lot of good points yeah. in there. <laughs> it's All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. So I, I, I like a lot of the points being mm-hmm. made there, and uh, they're totally right about the backlash of two, uh, and now people being more nervous about the scope, because sadly that was part of the backlash, was the narrowed scope, uh, the smaller scope and stuff like that. Well, it, was, it was the idea that the smaller scope was too narrow, Yeah, was where the backlash came from, so... No, I, 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 again, I said this at the beginning, and I, I, I'll always say it about two. I, I love that aspect. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they make they make some great points here. I, um, I almost wonder if had the RPGs mechanics and systems been more uh, in line with the scale that Origins had, and if it didn't have the repeating locations, if people wouldn't have necessarily noticed but minded as much being so centrally localized in Kirkwall. I mean, I think the like, or that that just ex- exacerbated it. So when I played the game, I never really like the first time. I didn't notice the, I, I like I noticed the repetitive areas, but it didn't like bother me. I'm, I'm usually not very bothered by games and a lot of things, particularly when I was younger. Um, I wasn't really bothered by the repetitive locations, and I would keep reading people being like, "Oh, I don't like that." It's just like, you know, thing. And I kept you know the smaller scope and it's just one city kind of thing. And it was really, like, the rare time we're reading comments from people about, like, the maps being identical and all these kind of things. It's rare that I'll read another person's viewpoint, particularly in a game I like, and be like, and I'll finally come along and be like, actually, you've made a good point. I'm kind of a very set-in-my-ways kind of person. Mm-hmm. And this was, like, the beginning of, like, starting to actually break out of that, where I was just like, you know what? You make a valid point, the repetitive locations. So, yeah, if we had what you said like the less repetitive locations and stuff like that still the smaller scope but more to it more to yeah. explore and stuff like that yeah I, I think it would have been a better received game I think also the idea I mean again we're, we're talking about future technology we're talking yeah. about a game uh, several years ahead of time but if you had a Dragon Age Inquisition style that closer exploration where it wasn't like these you know Mass Effect elevator level loading mm-hmm. screens in between every single time you move almost anywhere but you could just move you know if you could get from the highest point that you're actually yes you're loading screen but like you're actually like really exploring truly exploring Kirkwall yeah I think it would have lent more credence to this smaller scope because again it, it's a it's a small scope but it's a big area mm-hmm. and non-repetitive area and yeah um, I would lo- love to see a, you know a Dragon Age 2 made now yeah you know like a like I'd be really curious what could be done with tech now and stuff. Give Dragon Age 2 the Final Fantasy 7 remake treatment. I mean, yes, please give Origins that as well. Give <laughs> give the mass. Give for which every Bioware just, game that level. Just make treatment. Dragon Age 4 like a really good Dragon Age game. Just just make it really good. I mean, we really keep hearing about the fact that the next Dragon Age game is going to be almost entirely centered in Tevinter, and it keeps making me very happy. <laughs> where I'm just like. It sounds like you're making another attempt at this smaller scope, at least based on the very small amount of information we're getting. I'm, I'm all here for just a Tevinter focused, like Tevinter Empire focused mm-hmm. thing. I want Bioware to prove that I can still get excited and like 
believe that Bioware can make like really good games because that's the dream. That's the dream. After Anthem, <coughs> after Andromeda, it's just I need to believe in. I want to believe in Bioware again. I love Andromeda, and I totally understand that. Though I totally understand. Like I want to believe in Bioware. I want to believe. Like I don't believe Bioware of the past. You know. It, because Bioware the past can't exist because literally the doctors don't run it anymore. Right. Drew Carpitian's not like the lead writer there anymore. Uh, they've gone much more corporate. It, it's gone. Yeah. But I would like to believe that uh, Bioware could still be the RPG, you know, maker. Yeah. That we all, you know, knew love. That someone who could actually, you know, compete on the same level as a CD Projekt Red. Yeah. Again. Bioware can't rely solely on its name anymore. Oh, God, no, their name is so tarnished at this point. Right, and with companies like CD Projekt Red and Larian. Oh, my God. It's like, (laughs) yeah. No, they're the juggernauts of Western-based RPGs without a shadow of a doubt. Hands down, hands down. So, you know, BioWare's name is so broken up at this point, but... I want uh, to see them come back, though. I want them to succeed. And I, I, not burn out their employees, and have a healthy work ethic, and make fantastic. You're games. asking for a few. You're asking for a few too many things at this point. But uh, the monkey paws are gonna start getting really angry at you soon. But uh, but still, no. I mean, that's that's what I'm looking for as well. But uh, we got another user thing here. Uh, Blue Lantern Soups from Reddit said at the ending of Act Two, especially if you run it solo as a mage, Hawk single-handedly fighting off Kunari invasion is easily one of the most badass parts of any Bioware game. I would agree with that so much so that it's literally the freaking trailer. Yeah. Um, him fighting the Arashok as a mage solo is literally the entire focus of that trailer to the point that that was another issue people have with the game that that they made it seem like that was the story. I mean, while that story takes place only exclusively in Act Two, <laughs> so yeah. if, I think it was something that bummed out people. But no, it's it's a badass thing taking on the Airshot. They made mages look badass when they fight, though. I have to say, like, oh, yeah. spinning around their stats and shooting out bolts and magic. It's like they made basic combat with mages look badass, and I see a lot of it in Aerith's gameplay in Final Fantasy VII. Sure, I mean. That was always the problem with mages in video games, yeah. is mages were you stand still, yep. you summon your spell, you cast your spell, you wait for your your magic to come back. Yep. Rinse and repeat. And that was always mages. And yeah, maybe you're doing some basic attacks here and there, but two was like, swish, swish, explosions. It's literally pew pew laser gun yeah. fire, but you're, but you're using a stack. It was awesome. Yeah, it, it was... It was so much more of a uh, like, um, well, action oriented. Yeah, visually striking. Absolutely. Next up on from Reddit, we have unique homework from Reddit. My favorite moment: bringing Anders and Bethany into the Deep Rose and realizing that she can become a Grey Warden. Most memorable moments: everything Flemeth and walking into the keep and having the Viscount's head busted. Viscount. Yeah, the um, the Viscount moment definitely. No, um, I think that was a great moment. That obviously Flemeth, as we said earlier, is like this. Ex- Flemeth goes from the- oh, okay, Flemeth. I'm Captain Janeway. Kate Mulgrew's playing the character. This is cool. I like I like her in this game. To oh shit, Flemeth. Oh, okay, Flemeth. I'm paying attention to you now. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, the realization that I could save Bethany with just by having Anders in my party made Anders stay in my party mm-hmm. <laughs> for large portions of the game. Yeah. Also, one thing we didn't even talk about here, Anders, a completely and utterly different, again, the equivalent of... Um, shit, uh, the, the equivalent of Alistair in Dragon Age Origins, but for Awakening, essentially, suddenly comes back as this brand new, but not entirely brand new, like, there's still, like, mm-hmm. threads pulled of character who ends up becoming one of the most important characters in the Dragon Age universe. Like, the fact that they brought a character back from uh, from an expansion pass mm-hmm. to the previous game as this important character, that also then, if you bring them into your party, you can actually save a, your sibling, and then your sibling comes back later on in the game. Yeah. If you do that. Like, there's a lot of cool touches. The connection between Origins... Between all these games, I would say, is really, really cool. And it's something special mm-hmm. when you see characters that you've fallen in love with from a previous playthrough. So it's good. Great. Okay, let's see here. We have. Oh, this is a long yep, one. It's a long one. We've got. But I gave we you. We got vacants. <laughs> yeah, we, we can play back and forth. I got vacant stars from Reddit. I have very fond memories of playing through Dragon Age 2 for the first time. It's actually my favorite Dragon Age game. And falling in love with Kirkwall's merry band, The Misfits. But here are some of my favorite moments slash aspects of the game. Sarcastic Hawk. Just everything about them. Hawk in general is easily my favorite Bioware protagonist after Commander Shepard, even if they don't necessarily feel like my character in the way that the Warden and the Inquisitor do. I actually like that Hawk is a failed hero and that they don't always and that they don't always save the day. It really highlights that Dragon Age 2's story is tragic and that sometimes even people with the best of intentions don't always save the day. No matter what happens, Hawk still loses most, if not all, of their family. They start and end the game on the run. It's not a story you've seen in a lot of these kind of games and I really appreciate it. Speaking of the story, I like that Dragon Age 2's is a much smaller scale compared to the other two games. It's just this one person in the world's shittiest city getting into trouble with their friends and getting stuck in the middle of increasingly high-stakes situations whether they want to be there or not. I really hope we get a return to this in Dragon Age 4, but I'm not optimistic about it. The characters are fantastic. Dragon Age 2 has my favorite Byrocast after the Normandy crew, and I love almost all of them. Andrews is my favorite overall, but Fenris and Carver come in very close seconds. The Kirkwall crew actually feels like your friends. And while they might fight and argue with each other, it's clear that they do care about one another at the end of the day. Plus, it's cool that they have lives outside of Hawk and they'll do things regardless of what Hawk does. It's much more realistic that way. Warden Carver reconciling with Hawk at the end of the game will never not make me emotional. Some of the banters are ridiculously funny, others are pretty poignant. This is actually the game where I switch up my, where I switch up my party the most just to get the most of the banters. Playing the Mage is super fun, 10 out of 10 would fireball again. The soundtrack is pretty solid, quote unquote Mage Pride. Friend, oh sorry, uh, yeah, so the soundtrack is pretty solid. Mage Pride, Fender's theme, and Kirkwall Knights are super nostalgic for me. Dragon 2 also has the best version of I'm Not Calling You a Liar, in my opinion. You know, up until that Mage part, I was convinced that uh, this was actually you, that you had responded. Because <laughs> uh, it hit a ton of the same beats that you mentioned. 
it's a lot of the same beats. It's a lot of the same stuff. I mean, yeah, the Merry Man and Misfits is a great thing. I think they're a, a great crew. I think the crew you put together is more reminiscent of the crew of the Normandy mm-hmm. that you do have in the Mass Effect games and that style of companions than we see in either Dragon Age Origins or in Inquisition. I feel like Dragon mm-hmm. Age 2 is de- definitely very much more that Merry Band the Misfits feel that, Nor- that the Normandy really uh, puts together starting with Mass Effect 1. So, like, yeah, you definitely get that aspect uh, put together. And then, yeah, the, the Hawk being... Uh, kind of a, a constant failure, a failed hero thing, works really well for the character. Um, there is a reason why as soon as Hawk appears in Dragon Age Inquisition that I just started crying. Mm-hmm. Like, and it wasn't just because I had to figure out how to recreate my Hawk and look exactly the same, because yeah. <laughs> that was a nightmare. Um, but like, but still, like the fact that, holy shit, Hawk is in Inquisition made me lose my mind and really get emotional because oh, I love this character and I really felt connected. They're right. It's uh, Inquisition and Origins, your Warden and your Inquisitor are much more um, characters, you know, Dungeons and Dragons style characters that mm-hmm. you can step into. To all two, Hawk is just like, Hawk's a character already in their own right. But but I like that. Yeah. I, I like that aspect. Oh, and another one that points the party banter. I was actually thinking that uh, earlier. I forgot to mention it. The reason why I love Aveline and Isabella is because the banter between the two of them is just se- almost second to none mm-hmm. across all of Bioware's games. I can think of very few pairings that work as well as that. And then there's, uh, and then yeah, you could switch people around and get these amazing commentaries and stuff. So good. There is a yeah, lot all- of good stuff with this game. Yeah, a lot. I was actually going to say, uh, for our scene reenactment, I had almost considered, I couldn't find a good copy of it, and I didn't like the pacing of it for like uh, being like, the, mm-hmm. our intro of this episode, but I almost did the uh, the Aveline uh, uh, date companion quest. Oh, nice. Because it's so awkward of a scene. <laughs> I was like, I really, I, I, I like the flow of it a lot. And there, because there's a lot of stuff like that with characters. Yeah. Next up. We have user Rebooted Shadow Raider from Reddit. I remember the early and endgame being pretty memorable. It's always exciting to start getting invested in a new story. So the feeling of Hawk trying to make a new life in a new city with Bethany and their friends seemed like an especially fun time. The last straw had a pretty interesting feel to it as well. Anders betrayal was infuriating, but that was part that made the ending memorably epic and emotional. Hawk had to face the city falling apart around him, all while dealing with the fact that his friend had stabbed him in the back, and he had to stop the Templars without one of the people he'd come to rely on. The fact that Anders was the main healer in gameplay sort of made that whole experience feel even more like I was left handicapped. Finally being able to reunite with Bethany and the Gallows and rescuing her from all the chaos and madness unleashed by the traitors and lunatics made Hawk's journey feel worth it in the end. It's sort of funny. I played the game twice more afterwards, once more as a pro-mage warrior and then again as a pro-Templar mage, but in neither case did I feel as invested in the mage-Templar conflict as when I played the guy who is mostly just desperate to save his little sister from Fuck. Yeah. Yes. No, I identify so strongly with that. I, again, I love Dragon Age mm-hmm. 2. 
I played through it a total of three times, um, and, I've, and I've done almost exactly like this kind of thing. I was the guy just trying to keep his sister safe again to the point that I it's such a time travel. Yeah. When I realized I could save her, kind of thing, and like and, and undid a bunch of stuff just to be able to do that. But like I played through, and I played kind of like this almost exact thing. I played a pro mage warrior, and I played a pro templar mage, um, and like I I enjoyed the conflict, I enjoyed the story, but yeah, being being the being the big brother kind of character, being the family man, mm -hmm. was definitely the strongest uh, um, feel I had really for for the conflict. Being the little guy mm -hmm. uh, mattered more to me. Uh, let's see, it looks like we got uh, Telcontra Rules from Reddit. The entirety of my first playthrough, I just loved the relationships, the characters, and my first time romancing Anders. A lot of Anders lovers there. Um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but Anders' view on Templars is very similar to the way I feel about certain governments and institutions. He's divisive, but coming from the background I do, he just spoke to me so much. No, I completely feel and understand that. Again, a lot of my choices in uh, Dragon Age games, I mean, Bioware games in general, um, my first playthrough of any Bioware game specifically, but really any mm -hmm. choice-based game is, uh, if I know I'm going to do multiple playthroughs, it's always like, I don't care what the story is. I'm choosing what makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, have I been playing, like, Bass Effect, for instance, have I been playing mostly Renegade? Sure. But I personally would actually choose this Paragon choice. It's the same thing with Dragon Age. Have I been mostly choosing uh, th the better person uh, stuff in Dragon Age 2? Well, I still want to stab this guy in the fucking head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't care if it makes sense. Like, it, 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 this is what I personally feel in this moment. So, um, that's what I liked about Dragon Age 2 as, as well with the whole Dragon Age thing is being able to play that first time and just be like, I don't really understand what the conflict is here necessarily, but this is what I would do in this scenario with my lack of knowledge. I'll worry about foresight and what this is going to do to the world later on. Again, I'm just going to save my sister regardless of what that does. Yeah. I think that's the best way to play your first playthrough of a Bioware game. It's just kind of, don't go for all the trophies or something. Don't min-max. Yeah, don't <laughs> min-max. Just your first playthrough, just go through, play how you would react, I think. Or um, or if you want to be a hard-ass, be a hard-ass or a jackass, etc. Like, play that and just see where it takes you. And then in future playthroughs, if you have a specific kind of character you want to play as or uh, a viewpoint you want to explore, go ahead. But I think that first playthrough is the most special and the one you really will come back to. As so many of these people have mentioned and so many more uh, mentioned in their submissions as well. So, <clears throat> uh, big big thank you to everyone over at the Bioware subreddit and the Dragon Age subreddit for submitting your memories and favorite moments from this game. You guys submitted so many memories. It was crazy. I wish I could have included them all. Ah. <sighs> No, I just, I just, I, I love Dragon Age. Yeah, I keep it's getting good. like, I keep getting nostalgic every time. I, every time, like we have a pause yeah. for a moment, I'm just like, ah, Dragon Age. Yeah, this is how it is every time I record a RPG University episode because then I suddenly have a burning desire to play whatever game I just talked about. Uh -huh. And of course, this is a podcast featuring games that take fifty to sixty 
hundred hours, you know, so I can't, but yeah, totally reasonable request. Well, for me, it's always like, you know, nowadays particularly, it's like, well, okay. I think myself like a few minutes ago, I'm like, you know what? Uh, maybe I will go play, play Dragon Age two again. I'll just go, I'll, I'll just, you know, um, I, I still have like another origin save file I could use. Mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll just skip origins. I'll go play Dragon Age two. I'll get reacquainted with it. Uh, that way I could talk more mm-hmm. about it again kind of thing i'm like and plus i have more achievements to get and then i pause i'm like wait do i and i actually looked and uh this is I, I, the only dragon age game that i have 100 percent achievements on xbox oh, no. <laughs> and i was just like i totally forgotten that i did that the last achievement i got mm-hmm. in the game by the way was the rivalry one because i never got in a rivalry oh wow in hundreds of hours i had to purposely forcibly do that just to get an achievement wow uh, well, guess you'll have to start up a new profile uh oh <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say you have uh you're intrigued about playing Dragon Age 2 as well and you're wondering, "Hey, where can I get it?" Well, we are uh we got some info for you. If you're looking for a physical copy, you can still pick them up pretty easy on uh Amazon, things like that, depending on the platform, whether it's uh PC, PS3 or Xbox 360. Uh it is Xbox One backwards compatible. It'll net you <coughs> Excuse me. Brand new, still sealed copies will net you between twenty and thirty dollars, while used copies will usually run you between ten and twenty dollars, depending on condition, if it's the game of the year edition, what have you. Digital copies will tend to set you back around twenty dollars uh, for PC download codes, and it's also on Mac, so get out there and play. Ooh. So, let's say you have picked up your own copy of Dragon Age two and uh you don't know where to start or you would like some tips well we got you covered there as well josh what tips or advice would you give brand new players so uh the one i was going with uh because i was thinking about this a lot um and it's kind of potentially obvious depending on how you play games uh but it's still i thought was a good tip very much so with dragon age 2 is explore every inch of every map between major missions especially before the end of each act, you know, the point of no return, which it's good at telling you. Um, There are items, side conversations, random encounters, and more that just well with your time. Like, just the different stuff, dialogue you hear, and then just finding little things. Uh, The annoying part about these repetitive maps is the fact that you will sometimes... RPGs in general, and even Origins was good about this, where, like, uh, I always think always think of Origins when you are doing the uh, the Urn of the Sacred Ashes quest, and you get into the, the, the dragon caves and stuff like that, and it's always just like, well, I'm going to go right here at this fork. Oh, there's another fork. I'm going to go right here and, like, to get, explore everything. Dragon Age 2, every map is like that. There's not, like, one or two just massively forking things. All the maps end up being like that, and you end up... Uh, if you want to get every item for your companions and stuff like that, you're just going to have to explore. And it gets it gets tedious as hell. Um, but if you want to get everything out of the story and, and do everything and see everything, it's it's honestly well well worth it, is, is my opinion, to just to see everything. Also, that's just a general RPG rule, I feel like. It's just look at everything. True. Take, take it all in. Take, take in the sights. Break into everybody's house ransack their house check their bookshelves their uh chamber pots everything everything give them a you know just (laughs) never i actually caught myself on a very terrible joke (laughs) but what about what about you scott Uh, what's your advice for me i would just say if you aren't feeling how you've built your character there is a way that you are able to respec in the mage's emporium which came 
bundled in as part of the free DLC for the game, the Black Emporium. Uh, it unlocks an area called the Major Emporium where you can buy a specific potion called the Maker's Sigh. It sells for one gold, but by using it, it'll return your points to you and allow you to respec out and try something new with your character. So if you just aren't feeling what you're rocking, get this uh, Maker's Sigh and try again. Yeah, I, I, any game that gives me a respec potion is marginally cheap because by the that's a little expensive in the maybe in the early game, but that's nothing. Yeah. By the time you're far enough into the game that you actually would want to respec your character, so it's it's definitely worth it. We are on to perhaps my favorite part of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. Josh, what monster or enemy did you select? I spent so much time thinking about this because I was initially trying to find like an enemy unit kind of thing or a less obvious choice. But when it came down to it, I had to just go with the air shock. Again, the air shock is, you know, someone you see constantly in, in all the promotional stuff. He was a focused promotional thing. He was made to be like it was going to be the main enemy of the game. Um, but it's... I really liked the idea of the Kanari in uh, Origins. You know, you just have Sten. Mm-hmm. Sten's the only Kanari you see. You hear... It, it sounds like they're just a, a race of really tall warrior people. Uh, Dragon Age 2 as part of like... Uh, the overhaul of Thetis that uh, Dragon Age 2 kind of does, which is, you know, takes things and, uh, you know, changes designs and stuff, making the Kanari into literally a, a completely, you know, uh, different race, uh, you know, which later discover that they're actually, like, they're kind of dragonborn, mm-hmm. essentially. They're, they're partial dragon humanoid people. Um, but seeing that and having this uh, person who, at a glance, it really, they make it seem like this is the leader of the Kanari. Uh, we get more details later on, obviously through Inquisition and stuff like that, and how they are one of the leaders, and they're a major figurehead, but there are other ones. But it's like, wow, I'm actually dealing with the Coon, something mm-hmm. that was really curious in Origins, and I'm getting more details. And while it's a really re- oppressive regime, and, you know, the air shock is this, like, kind of just very soft spoke, like, that's mm-hmm. a very, like, um, stoic figure. He's charming in his own right. Mm-hmm. Like, he really, like, kind of wins me over in some of his arguments at times where I'm just like, maybe me not as a person, but I could see, like, my hawk that I'm currently playing being swayed to this viewpoint a little bit. I could actually, like, I can see how there's, like, characters who, who could be swayed to this way of thinking and stuff like that. And then on top of that, yeah, you get put into the final battle and you have the option at the end of Act 2 to face the air shock by yourself and you can make that choice if you feel strong enough and it's a even if you're playing at an easy difficulty even if you're over leveled i always i am always over leveled uh even that it's still a tough fight and it still feels pretty damn epic and that's yeah why among many more reasons why i really love the air shock as an enemy well if you do decide to attack and face the air shock you can expect him to uh, be quite the beefy character like josh was saying He's very weak to both the frost and nature element, but he has a mild resistance to electricity. But if you have him on, if you're playing on nightmare mode, he is immune to both electricity and fire. On other modes, he's also mildly resistant to fire, and he has no, uh, he just takes normal damage from spirit attacks. 
He will impale you, he will rice you, and he will slice you up. He is immune to flanking, knockdowns, being immobile, paralyzed, and immune to enslavement. He has very high defense, high health and fortitude, medium bonus to damage, and uh, his weak attack. So, crazy. So, hit him with trees. He's a big beefy boy. Snow and trees <laughs> is the way to take down the airship. Josh, that is going to do it for our episode. Thank you so much for coming on and nerding out with me about Dragon Age 2 today. I mean, I've won I yeah, I'm glad that I got to come on the show in general and I'm glad I got to come on the show and talk about one of my favorite games of all time, one of my favorite RPGs of all time. Uh again, the Dragon I said at the top of the show, but the Dragon Age universe is very important and special to me. And Dragon Age 2 is a large part of that. So getting to talk to you about it uh, made my week. Well, I, so thank you for the invite. Uh, happy to have you. You, I, uh, It was such a pleasure meeting you in person at PAX East, which could be the only video game conference of 2020. So it was a pleasure to meet you in person. Um, really quick, <coughs> really quick question. Uh, and I didn't touch on this earlier. You had mentioned you had read the books of the series. Did anything from the books kind of find their way into Dragon Age 2 or vice versa? So I have not played 2 <laughs> since reading the books. So oh, okay. I, I'm definitely going to be... I, the books influence uh, Inquisition a lot. Okay. Uh, there are moments in Inquisition that if you read the books are just like these holy shit moments that if you have not... Uh, if you've not read the books, are almost meaningless in Inquisition. It's fascinating how that happens. There's there's moments in the game. Two, there's there's definitely uh, stuff that's influenced by it, but I think the books definitely impact Origins and Inquisition the strongest. Again, two okay. is such an isolated story. Now, mm -hmm. there are books that do affect it because there's... Um, um, there's a lot of, like, Varric written books that are now out there, and I have not read those. There's... um. There's uh, blanking uh, something in Hightown, Heist in Hightown, or something like that. Just came out like a couple of years ago. I still have not read that one. Mm -hmm. But no, the books aren't aren't super impactful aside from where Varric is a character, and you learn like the stuff that like you learn more about Varric's motivations, which can give you a different viewpoint on who Varric is during like mm -hmm. Dragon Age Two. Okay, like that kind of stuff. But uh, Inquisition straight up tells you uh, it has a character called Fiona who's part of the mages and if you've read the books you know that that is an extremely important character but if you've not read the books you just she's just the head of the mages and who gives a shit <laughs> <laughs> cool cool we'll read both uh read the books then as well everybody and play all the games I, yeah. but yes once again I, thank you so much Josh for coming on where can people find you on uh, the internet what do you got cooking plug away all right, so best place to find me on Twitter, I'm at BearPunch, B-E-A-R-P-U-N-C-H. It's I, where I'm the most active. I have a severe addiction to Twitter. Please help me. I mean, like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's all I do is on Twitter. Um, that's the best place to find me. Uh, you might also find me circling a bunch of different discords that I'm active in. Uh, but yeah, uh, Twitter's the best place. You can also, um, if you're following BearPunch, please go follow at BearPunchMedia. It's the same thing with the word media on the end. That is our new brand we're starting. We ended constantly calibrating uh, back a few weeks ago. The final episode 
uh, was recorded in live stream that's going to be coming out on Constant Calibrating stuff soon. And then that's going to be the death of Constant Calibrating, my podcasting platform that I did for eight years originally as a celebration of Mass Effect 3, interestingly enough. Um, And yeah, we're doing a new thing. Uh, We're going to launch Bear Punch Media. It was planned to be launched in the end of March, but early April, but the world's kind of gone to shit. (laughs) So it's been a little, uh, we've now been taking it a little slower, but sometime uh, mid to late April, maybe May, we'll officially launch Bear Punch Media and Strong, you know, suit where we're going to have a weekly gaming podcast hosted by Justin Stanley, which is called the Catch-All Gaming Podcast, and we'll have a weekly show that Scott's actually been on that we recorded episodes called Dream Games. It's fun. And It's fun. It's a fu- it's a fun show. We're we're figuring out exactly what it means to us. But we did we recorded three different episodes. Interesting enough, two irrational passions episodes. This is uh, true. It was just convenient. Alex was also on it. It if we we were literally <laughs> I was staying in the hotel that was next to the convention center, and I'm just like, who wants in on this? And we we've got time. And you know, you, yourself and Alex were uh, more than. You know, wonderful guests to come on, and then Mick Abramson, uh, also of the widespread kind of funny community, also came on, and we have a few more people scheduled uh, and stuff like that. And that that wonderful show will premiere when Bear Punch Media stuff premieres, and it's not, yeah. You know, I mean, just to be blunt, it's literally been the podcast I've been dreaming of and concepting out for almost five years now. I only just happened to figure out how to make it work like four months ago. Very cool. So I'm very excited to bring more guests on and more people to listen to it. So Bear Punch and Bear Punch Media, best places to find me. Keep in touch and listen to my sometimes good, oftentimes terrible opinions on things. It's great stuff. You you all should check it out and uh, follow the great, great guys at Bear Punch and Josh. Check it out. It's fantastic. So we're all right. (laughs) Well, that's going to do it today for another episode of RPG U. I want to thank all of I want to thank all of you that have stayed around and listened to the very end. You've returned the light to the crystals and unlocked a new job class. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as each rating and review you leave will cause a leaf on the mana tree to bloom, restoring balance and saving the world. Plus, I would just really appreciate it. If you have an RPG that you would like to, us to talk about, tweet at irrational underscore pod with the hashtag RPGU with what games you would like to see us talk about or if you would like to be a guest on RPG University. And until next time, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and class dismissed. <laughs>